The League of Women Voters is a people's organization that has fought since 1920 to improve our government and engage all Americans in the decisions that impact their lives. Formed from the movement that secured the right to vote for women, the centerpiece of the League's efforts remains to expand participation and give a voice to all Americans. Our issues are grounded in our respected history of making democracy work for all Americans. Hello, and welcome to the next episode of Finding Perspectives, focused on empowering and educating our community on voting and key issues impacting all of Arlington and Alexandria. My name is Krista Jones, and I'm excited to host this podcast produced by the League of Women Voters of Arlington and Alexandria City. Youth are facing a number of challenges today. Death from suicides among youth and young adults have been increasing over the last two decades in the United States. Despite negative headlines and growing concerns about social media's impact on youth, teens continue to use these platforms at high rates, with some describing their social media use as almost constant, according to a Pew Research Center survey of U.S. teens. In this episode, we speak with Megan Alderton on the Alexandria City School Board to discuss the state of youth in Alexandria and how our community can get involved. Enjoy the conversation. Well, thank you so much, Megan, for joining us for this podcast. There are really so many challenges facing youth today, from bullying to substance use disorder. Can you talk about some of the challenges that are impacting Alexandria's students and how ACPS is addressing them? Absolutely. Thank you, Krista, for having me. I think, as you said, all of our, I think nationally, all of our students are facing challenges. And I think in Alexandria, we're facing some challenges that are common that are being addressed across the nation. I'll just go over a few with you here and chat a little bit about how we're addressing them in ACPS. I think we've heard nationally attendance is an issue. And so attendance has been a challenge for ACPS, particularly post-pandemic. So we have rallied as a school division and the board has rallied around the issue as well. And we have developed a task force, which is basically a panel of our school professionals who are following students closely, developing personalized intervention plans for them. And one exciting um, development is we've been able to use Parent Square to make sure that we're keeping parents notified of when their students are in school, when they're not in school. And parents get those notifications as frequently as they would like. So those are just a few ways that we've tackled attendance. But we really rallied around that because we know that students are not going to be able to academically achieve if they're not in school. I think um, another issue that has been a longstanding issue has been academic achievement for students with disabilities, academic achievement for our like, Latinx student population, academic ach- achievement for Black students, including suspension rates for Black students. So how are we tackling that? That has been, as long as I've been on the board, these have been longstanding discussions. But I think the good thing is that we're making progress in our processes. One of those processes that I have championed since I got on the board was um, making sure we're implementing multi-tiered systems of support and making sure we have processes that we implement with fidelity. So data meetings are happening regularly from top down. So central office teams are looking at data regularly 
And then those practices are being pushed down into schools and schools are talking about their data regularly. Our senior leaders have been very consistent with instructional walkthroughs. And so they're in schools providing constructive monitoring, support, and feedback. And then as a board, we have to make sure that we're budgeting for those priorities. So the school board has rallied around making sure there's enough funds in the budget to address any academic achievement concerns. I could go on and on. I think you mentioned substance abuse. That is something that we've seen nationally, definitely seen locally. And we have some new issues that we haven't dealt with. You know, I've been in public education for 20 years at this point. Fentanyl abuse (laughs) is very new. And so we've had to rally around addressing that. So I think in terms of substance abuse, a lot of the work has been around education. So we've had sessions for families held by held at various schools. We make sure they're held in multiple languages to ensure that all families understand how to tackle this issue and make sure that all families know the signs, know what they're looking at, know when to understand if their student may be abusing substances and then where to get help. Preparation for staff has been essential. So we make sure we've done work to make sure that staff has have access to training, that they are aware. And of course, we've had to make sure that the there's been access to Narcan and people are trained to administer it in order to be reactive to the opioid, I guess both uh, proactive and reactive to the opioid epidemic. So those are just a few. I like I said, there the challenges are great. I think one more I would highlight is that we know we're dealing with some different social emotional concerns with students in ways that aren't necessarily what we've seen, again, even in the last 20 years. So I talked about multi-tiered systems of supports, and we have to use that system the same way we use it to be proactive about academic achievement. We have to do the same for social emotional achievement. We actually have a universal screener that is, is being used, which is called the DESA. And that actually allows us to have data and get feedback from our students about where they are in their social emotional journey so that our staff and our schools can actually proactively plan to meet students um, where they are and meet their needs. We actually have social emotional academic lessons. So our students are actually getting instruction in social emotional aspects of school. And we use a curriculum called Ruler, which supports that work. So. Excellent. That's great to hear that you all are really obviously recognizing all the challenges at both the national level and the local level and and putting in some good work to try to to solve those. With the League of Women Voters, we are actively expanding our our youth membership. And one thing I've always thought about, and I think back to my own time when I was younger, being involved in activities, having that social support, being just active was really instrumental in me probably staying out of trouble and then also just being able to to learn a lot at that age. And I'm just kind of curious if you know about other programs, youth-type programs that are supportive for kids, more peer-to-peer programs, and how do you see them making an impact in Alexandria City Public School? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think one thing I, we can say about the Alexandria community in general is that there is a lot of, we have a lot of partnerships 
there is a lot of support and I think there's a lot of direct support to our students. Membership wise, in terms of students actually being, you know, members of organizations and sort of leading in that way in the work. I think what I would say is we have a lot of students who are involved actually like at the level of commissions, even some of the the city commissions and the school board committees. One example is the, we have the Child Youth and Family Commission, and they actually have students, ACPF students who participate in that. We have, I would say we also have in our board uh, committees, for example, last year we had a student who was represented on the Special Education Advisory Committee. Mm -hmm. So I think holistically as a city, we have lots of involvement and opportunities for youth to be involved. And there are, I think those opportunities span across the city, like not just in the school system, but in sort of the city as a whole. So I hope that answers that question. Absolutely. And so I know that there are often, you know, students who it's harder to reach. They're not quite getting the attention that they need. What are some disparities that you see across the range of students in Alexandria? It probably leads back to some of the issues that I spoke about when we discussed the first question. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we can certainly highlight students who don't always receive the attention that they need. One of the areas that we continue to sort of struggle with and providing that, make sure we're providing that high quality education and just that access. And I think achievement for student with disabilities, we're continuing to grapple with, particularly, I mean, we grappled with it before, but post-pandemic, we're really struggling to continue to move the needle in a positive direction for that. So what's being done, again, that focus on just high quality instruction We have, oftentimes when we have budget discussions as a board, we look at a specific group and we want to know, okay, how can we dedicate funds to that specific group? But sometimes we need to be thinking about how we're dedicating our funds and our resources to the system. When it comes to students with disabilities, they are going to do as well or better when the sort of baseline system is functioning as well as better. And so that means that our general education classrooms, our general education instruction has to be better. We need to be creating classroom environments where we are not excluding any student. So there's a lot of work happening there. Also, secondary transition has been I think a big focus in terms of supporting kids with disabilities and paying more attention there. When we talk about secondary transition and special ed, we're talking about preparing, very intentional focus on preparing those students for a college career and life. And so there have been resources put into actually adding additional staffing in the school division to support secondary transitions services for kids with disabilities. Another group Actually, and even instead of talking about another group, I would just talk about Equity for All 2025, and that's the division's strategic. I think the goal of that really encompasses how we focus on students who aren't receiving the attention that they need, because we have very clear data that tells us where the gaps are. The data tells us who's not achieving, who's not getting access, and then we have to you know, act accordingly. So we auditing all of our, every single policy is being audited for equity. 
we have a dashboard that is focused so that our data is transparent and do equity climate surveys. And those allow both families, students, and staff to be honest and candid about who's not receiving what they need so that the division can act on those issues. And finally, I think I would highlight discipline for Black boys mm-hmm. uh, continues. It's actually heartbreaking for me because I sometimes I question, like, why are we still having these problems? Why are we still over-identifying Black students as having disabilities? Why are we still having Black boys are being disciplined more than other students? A mentoring program has been put in place, and it's sort of like at the beginnings, but it's continuing to be fleshed out have an intentional focus. We know that that is a problem. We know that it's a student population who needs our support. And so we need to dedicate time and resources to that. Absolutely. It's great to hear you call out some of those disparities, but it's also here, it's good to just hear that as an elected official, as a leader, you care about those things. You're actively searching for a solution. So that's excellent. Thank you for that overview. And so obviously with the League of Women Voters, one of the things that we're really concerned about and we really, we feel like everyone should be concerned about is more civics education. When I talk to different people, I feel like that seems to be, and ask them like, how can we improve this X, Y in the community? How can we get more people engaged? It always goes back to the schools. They feel like civics is not really taught in the schools enough. Can you talk about what type of civics education, whether formally or informally, you think that you know that students are getting in the Alexandria City Public School System? Absolutely. And you're talking to a social studies teacher, (laughs) not only special ed, but social studies was my content area. So, yes, I mean, it's 100 percent so important. I think it's one thing every student who goes through Sanders City Public Schools and who goes through school in Virginia is going to get civics and economics, right? They have to get that. But I think civic education goes deeper. It's how are we actually applying that knowledge and those skills in action? And so we actually have a really cool program that's called Civic Trek. And the goal of Civic Trek is for students to develop the five C's And that's critical and creative thinking skills, communication, collaboration, and citizenship. And it's more, it's service learning, but it's not service learning in order to get hours, right? It is students identifying and solving problems in their school or community, and they use academic skills for authentic purposes. And then they work together to solve these problems they've identified so that they can bring positive change to their communities. This work actually happens, so it's it's project-based learning. So it's integrated into their learning. It's not like a separate thing, and which is great because I think it sort of teaches our students to sort of bring like research to practice, if, if you will. There's a showcase at the end of the year. And so, for example, last year's showcase was really cool. We had third grade students at Mount Vernon Community School that wrote a bilingual guide to local parks as part of their interdisciplinary unit with science and language arts. We had sixth grade um, AVID students at Patrick Henry. Um, They took their love for the AVID program and created a student-led digital presentation. And it taught the students community building names, organization strategies, and how AVID shaped them as middle school students. 
And then we had seventh graders at George Washington Middle School. Um, they did some letter writing to kids in need of defense. So again, like project-based learning, really getting kids to like use a project to actually do something authentic and use what they're learning and apply them to their communities and serve. So that's just one example, but that's probably the biggest sort of program that we have that is focused on civics and education. That really is great to hear. Lastly, do you have a recommendation for community members who are listening to this and want to figure out a way that they can better support our students? Sure. I have lots of recommendations. (laughs) I think our schools are going to be as good as our community is supportive. I can't emphasize that enough. And so I think some things that I would say, one, from a board perspective, it's really helpful for our students if our community supports our budget priorities. As you know, but more than, I guess, around, we have a 0.8 local composite index, which means city council funds a vast majority of our budget. So when we have needs, it's really important. And once we've decided what those needs are, it's really important for our community to rally around and support the school division's budget priorities. Hope highlight the great things that are happening in our schools, because at times there are really loud voices that are focused more on the areas where we need improvement. And we, of course, like we can always improve. I think we're lucky enough to have a staff who is always focused on continuous improvement, but It's really important for our community to speak positively about the school division, highlight the good work that is occurring because that's contagious. And when our, I always say there would be no schools, the school board is wonderful, but there would be no schools. School can't happen without staff and school can't happen without high quality, highly qualified, engaged staff. So it's just essential that our communities support our staff by being positive, sign up to volunteer, mentor, particularly, I would really, you know, I mentioned the concerns that we have around Black males, and I just would love for people to show up in droves to volunteer to mentor our Black male students Mm -hmm. and help us recruit, (laughs) Um, join the team, talk about national challenges, The staffing shortage for schools Mm -hmm. is real. Um, That's everything from bus drivers to administrative staff, teacher staff. There are so many jobs that, you know, we need so many hands to get this work done. So please, please, if you're qualified, join our team. But if you're not, help us recruit staff to join. We have a robust compensation package. It's a great place to support future generations with a community that supports its schools. So I think those are the big things. My last thing would be, you know, we do need champions for equity and just champion equity. And I think that's really difficult for people to do. And I say that because if you are championing equity, that sometimes means that you could be in a position where you have to give up something in order for someone else to get what they need. And I think that's, I think if everyone admits it, it's really hard for people to do. But if you champion equity, you understand that it's not always about you. 
And so if we could get our community members to just rally around that and the greater good, I think we could be in great shape. Absolutely. What great words to end on. Thank you so much, Megan. This has been a great conversation uh, from the League of Women Voters. We are so appreciative of everything that you and your colleagues do every day to make our school system and our community stronger. So thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Finding Perspectives. We hope you learned a little more about this important topic and consider how it will factor into your voting decisions. For more information about the League of Women Voters of Arlington and Alexandria City, please visit my.lwv.org backslash Virginia backslash Arlington. Follow us on Facebook at LWV Arlington, IG at LWVARLALEX City or Twitter or X at LWV Arlington VA.